Hello everybody! Hello masters of your own destiny! Welcome back to my basement! Yes, I'm Francisco Suarez and this is from Suarez Basement, a podcast that we have created especially for you. Yes, that's true. It's especially for you, for everybody out there who is interested in the communication, media and the arts field. Our goal, like I always say, is to create those bridges between the experts in this field and you, the audience. And I think today we're going to reach that goal because we have an awesome expert in the house. Just to give you a hint who our expert is, let's watch a very short clip of one of his work or recent work in Netflix. Dear reader, if there is the scandal, I shall uncover it. It is more than just your honor at stake. You think that just because I'm a woman, I'm incapable of making my own choices? There is nothing you cannot do. You are a Bridget. Is this not lovely? All of us together again. Lovely indeed. We should tempt scandal more often. Yes. So, Bridgerton, one of the most popular shows on Netflix. If you have not heard about Bridgerton, I don't know where have you been all these months. Again, everybody's talking about is many reasons why it becomes so popular. But I do think one of the good reasons is because of the beauty of his costume design. And today we have the privilege and we are very lucky to have John Glenser, who is one of the lead costume designers for Bridgerton, here with us in Francois's basement. He also is very well known for his work in Gotham. So let's start our conversation with John Glenser right away lead custom designer, one of the lead custom designer from Bridgerton and got it. Here we go. Thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, accept our invitation to my basement uh, and to be able to create these bridges between you, the experts and the students. I hope so. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I guess I'll go first. Hello, yes. I am Shauna Weiss. I am a senior uh, tech design major at SUNY Oswego. My focus is costuming, design, and construction. So, um, hi, my name is Satiana Gay. I'm a senior at um, SUNY Oswego. I'm actually a graphic design major, but I have minors in live event designs. And through that, I fell in love with costuming because it part of the curriculum here and right so john before we jump uh, into uh, the pool and start swimming in, in costumes um how you been first i think that is an important question in this uh, crazy pandemic times and how do you think the industry where you work has been affected by because you are in production uh so i'm just trying to to figure out how the pandemic have been affecting your work and of course, you know, how are you being and how is your family and everybody at home? Everything is fine. I was actually in London for all of 2019, came back in early January into New York, and that's when the pandemic hit. And one of the first things I did was help a friend of mine who owned a costume shop named Escaro Studio uh, go bankrupt and close up shop. And then since then, uh, my assistant, Josh, and we have an illustrator named Martin. We've been starting to write children's books and illustrating them. 
So we kept ourselves busy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as far as industry, I know it's working, but as far as new projects, uh, I'm still I'm still waiting for one. Mm-hmm. I've been interviewing, and hopefully, one will come by. I hope by March. I'm very curious about what your research process is, especially when you have uh, historical pieces like Bridgerton and more modern like Gotham. Like I want to, I'm very curious, like where do you start with this design process? How do you make it your own, especially when there's their established media associated with them as well. And there's also the historical accurate, like historical aspect of these things like Bridgerton. Oh, I hate you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's start with Gotham. On, on Gotham, I took it over on season two. Well, for, for Gotham, it was very graphic. And we looked at comic books to see the simplicity of them. And on on Gotham, because there's, there was no time period, we could do whatever we wanted. And mm. so each, each episode, and you talk about my Broadway ex- experience, we treated each episode like a little off-Broadway show. So we would pick a period, maybe the 20s, the 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever we wanted, 80s, the 90s, the future, and built the show around that time period. Um, our research was uh, a lot of artists mixed with fashion, mixed with period research. It was just a mishmash of everything. But out of that, we, we drew the most graphic and simplistic versions of that. Does that make any sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. A little bit. And then on Bridgerton, because it was with Shonda Rhimes. We worked with Shonda Rhimes before Ellen Morazdick and I, and we knew that it had to be, I don't like to use the word, but a modern look to it. So we did all of our research from 1813. Mm-hmm. And then I always say that I always think if I was in 1813, where did they get their research from? So we go back to see where they would have gotten theirs. And then we go to the future to see if that look has been repeated and I could find a lot of it in the 1960s the umpire waste you mm-hmm. know Audrey 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 Hepburn etc and then you go into today and you try to find those influences so again it's a, a mix a mix of things like where did it come from where was it when you're working on it or what that period actually was and then to the and to the and to the present day well, given um, all the research you did, what would you have to say to the critics that um, with Bridgerton about the historical inaccuracies in the period piece? There are none. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I've actually, because there's been so much press on, on Bridgerton and people talking about it, I actually yesterday watched several people talk about the history and all of them say that there are not let me start again not mistakes but when you start to watch it and you think it's a period piece you get they got angry because of all the 
things that weren't correct. But then after about 20 minutes, you realize, oh, this isn't a period piece. This is mm. just a fantasy mm-hmm. piece. This is fantasy, mm-hmm. period. And then they, then they like it. But if, you, if you're uh, an historian and that's where you keep your focus, you'll, you will never like it. But mm-hmm. there was one podcast that was talking about the things that were wrong, but at the end of his podcast, he said, it doesn't really matter because that's not what this is. Mm-hmm. If you were trying to recreate the period, we did not succeed. We, cre- we created the essence of the period. But like I said before, it was just slightly blurred. Mm-hmm. It, e- it evokes a feeling of that period to put you in, a, in some type of time period, but at the same time, it takes you out of that time period. It's just, it's just a different world. It keeps you in the mindset, but it uses suspension of disbelief. Oh, you're smart. Okay, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called smart on, on yeah. a yeah. <laughs> well, word that's been floated you, around. Andrew, and I have a question for you. Well, I have many questions, but um, I always say to my students that that are starting to become producers and scriptwriters and actors and cameramen. I always say you are in the business of make-believe. That's, that's really in the business that you are in. Uh, and to make-believe, you need to have many components in order to create this fantasy world that we, 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 need, we need as a viewers to believe that it exists. And costume design is definitely one of the most important pieces of that puzzle. What is your relationship with the other pieces of the puzzle? Like, how do you work with the artistic director, with the set designers? Is is a communication there, or, or the producer and director give you the cues and you work by yourself? I'm just very interested to know what is the relationship that you establish with artistic directors and set designers, because I'm guessing it has to be a kind of a relationship there. Yes, absolutely. I'll go back to Gotham because. I came into Gotham after the first season and I spoke to the production designer, of, of, of course, and I spoke to the lighting person and I saw everything was smoke and mirrors and fog. And that's why we painted the costumes to blend into that scenery. Going back to what we talked about, like on, on Broadway, it was like a, a, a collaboration with the scenery, the lighting, all those effects. On Bridgerton was a slightly different uh, approach because we were the first people. We were there before the production designer, before anybody. So we set the tone for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, only because we had worked with Shondaland before and, and we knew what they ex- ex- expected from it. So, but once we started, once people came into Bridgerton, it was the production designer, lighting, especially hair, especially makeup. Uh, all of those things work. If you look at Bridgerton, you see the hair, you see makeup, you see the backgrounds. All of that was was very much coordinated, you know. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in every fitting. We would look at what, if we, if it was ready, we would look at the sketches for the background, for the scenery, always 
always was there was the hair man whose name was Mark and us. You know? mm. So it was very, very much coordinated. And if we hadn't, it wouldn't have looked, uh, maybe it wouldn't better, but <laughs> it would have looked the way it did. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that like, um, you guys had representation of like natural hairstyles in it. Because usually a lot of like shows like that, we don't really get the natural like hair right. Absolutely. Absolutely. represented. So yeah. I really appreciate that with the characters. Like, yes, someone with my hair texture. I love it. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's, really, yeah. and that's something coming from today is that if someone's hair looks great, just use it and forget about what the, what the period would have been. It's making, on Bridgerton, it was making people look very, their best. Mm -hmm. For instance, one person from England kept talking about the men's tailoring with the, because there were shoulder pads. And in that period, there really weren't shoulder pads. But if you want to give an actor a, some type of presence, you give them a, a little bit of shoulder pads. Again, it's a fantasy. So you just made the people as sexy and as beautiful as you, as you possibly could. <laughs> you know. For sure. Um, so shifting a little bit away from specifically design and that I was wondering, how do you keep the camera in mind when like, I guess it is still a question about design, um, when you are designing, uh, because I know in theater, uh, you have to keep in mind like what the audience sees and like patterning, like you can't have really small patterns cause they don't right. look really great from the audience. You have to keep in mind the lighting and you might add some like the thing that immediately comes to mind is the phantom's cape and phantom of the opera that has the subtle beating so that right. when it has like that soft flickering light about it uh when you're working on a set how does that same idea of keeping the camera in mind so you the audience sees what you want to see how does that factor into a design process for a camera Oh, this is a tricky question because in the old days, there were like rules, like don't use bright blue, don't use bright green, don't use patterns, that'll strobe. All that's changed. You can almost do anything that you want now. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that we always think about is that you'll see a character from a distance. Mm -hmm. On stage, you always kind of see them in the same field, right? Mm -hmm. But on camera, you'll... You can see them at a distance and you can see them really up close, a lot of headshots. So you always think about the hair, the makeup, what's around their neck. And so you can't be sloppy with what they're wearing. You can't be, it has to be clean if you want it to be, you know. Um, mm. It's just little things. You can't have a thread hanging off because all that sh shows up someone's hair that's got a few pieces hanging out like you know donald trump you know hanging up mm -hmm. um so it's more detail oriented and sort of making it's, it's either it's either detail oriented or it's the opposite where you keep it really really simple mm -hmm. yeah. okay you but can't um, hide anything. you can't hide anything and it's always a surprise sometimes because you think something it's perfect. And then you see it in the dailies and you go, Oh my mm -hmm. God, what, what the hell is that? You know, it's mm -hmm. like, where did, why does that read like that? If you watch the news programs, 
watch very closely, especially on uh, daytime and uh, what is it? Fox. They, if you look at them closely, when they put their hands up, their hands don't match their face because they have on so much makeup. And there's always, if you look at their collars, you'll see a little bit of makeup here because they've got so much mm. makeup on. So those things that you don't see off camera are picked up by the are picked up by the are picked up by the camera. Just like me, I look at myself and I see a natural skin tone. I see myself here like a big pink. <laughs> and I don't know why, because I'm not a lighting person. It's like, where is all that pink coming from, you know? Yeah, camera doesn't light. Uh, no, no. So it, it, is, it is a different medium, for sure, yeah. different than theater. But um, if you work at it enough, you, you know the basic ground rules. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to explain, because... How, how often are you in, in, in the set? I'm, I'm just thinking... I mean, is the costume designer work in when you dress the actor, the actor leave, or you as a team need to be present in set for any little thing that suddenly go wrong with the costume? I try as much as possible to uh, be in their dressing rooms when they get dressed, and hopefully you can go to set. Mm -hmm. And you look at the first, once they take the, take the first shot, you're out and you're on to something else. We don't spend the day there. That's that's for the wardrobe team to maintain everything. But once you get the look established, then you leave and and go on. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are many times when there's not the possibility to to go to set. So you make sure that in the final fitting, everything is as together as it possibly can be, and then you you hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So personally, my favorite character is Eloise. And I noticed that her, she had like a traditional feminine silhouette, but you also added touches of like masculine pieces to it with her. Um, right. First, her I want to ask a question. Why is she your favorite character? I like, the, like, um, I guess you would say tomboyish nature of her. Like she doesn't really want to be that lady. Right. But, and I, growing up, I was never the, really feminine person that my mom wanted. I was more with the boys playing around doing right. all that type of stuff. So I really identified with her. And related character. to her. Yeah. Now, to answer your question, you know, we had an outline and we had a few scripts. So from the writer, we knew what her world was, what, you know, where her, where her head was and what she was supposed to be. But we've never met the actress. She's, She's never met us. She has the same information that we have, which is just a little bit. So when she comes to her first fitting, we talk. Uh, and it's so, there's little things. And it's, it's always, these, these questions are always answered in hindsight. And I was, I was trying to think about what actually happened when we did it. When she walked in, we saw her. And like I said, the hair person came. So her hair is slightly different than it's not a feminine do, it's just like your hair. It's kind of, you know, just, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, I'm, it's just, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, anything that she's gone to the, to the beauty salon for, basically. Mm -hmm. It's her like real hair. And if you also notice that she has no trains and taking away the, that slight train takes a little bit of femininity away. And, uh, and with, uh, 
like cravats on her. We even had some like mm-hmm. black mm-hmm. ones. And sometimes they seemed a little strong and then we had to think about, about her character arc. So it's little things that we discussed with her. Uh, and looking at the rest of the show to feel how we could take a little bit of femininity out of it. And if you notice, when she goes to her first ball, she wears her shawl over her shoulders because she doesn't want to really, she's still like that tomboy, like mm-hmm. you said. She doesn't want she's not ready to reveal her bosoms and her shoulders, you know, so she's still a little, a little more tailored. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that also comes from, this is what I was trying to make the point of it. That comes from the actor how she walks, how she talks, uh, hair, makeup, clothing. It's all a combination to form that person. Mm-hmm. And we were talking before you joined us. Uh, I think it is interesting. I don't know if uh, Tatiana or Shana want to take this one. But we were talking about the idea. We think it's a conscious idea from the costume designer. Uh, the idea of old money and new money and the colors uh, we discussed that, so I don't know if uh, Shana, you want to, to, you know, because I think it's very interesting. The the uh, coloring of the feathering tins being the very like uh, 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 Lady mm-hmm. Featherington having the very bright and loud fabrics, the pen always being put into bright yellow, and obviously not enjoying the color, and right. everyone sort of being in like greens. Now, the muted and softed colors of the Bridger tends to sort of be right. like. The, that comes from the writer who all he said was that Penelope enters in a, a bright yellow gown. So that tells us right there that uh, it doesn't tell us anything really. So it's just got a bright <laughs> yellow gown. But the Bridgertons are old, old money. So we, in our world, we said that they were like the Kennedys. So mm-hmm. they, they were the Tiffany family. Tiffany is a little more Turk Boz, but we went with Wedgwood, you know, and we also went and thought about macaroons, macaroons in that pale, all those colors. So that's their little world. And then the Featheringtons, once the writer said the yellow, we went, oh, all right, they're the, and they're also new money. So we went, we're going to do Versace. And Versace is, Lots of those beautiful, the, the Featheringtons were, their metal color was, was gold and the Bridgerton's color was a silver. So you've got gold, Versace colors, which are beautiful with all those big patterns. Mm-hmm. And the Bridgerton's were much more delicate, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we always, we always referred to them as the Versace's <laughs> and the Tiffany's, you know. It is such a great analogy, actually. I yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. Totally makes sense. And you can see it. I mean, you can, well, the story is telling you, you know, who is old money and who is new money. But I yeah. think it's very well defined through the costume design that this is a very classic, very much old money. They, 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 they don't need to be showing off because right. they know who they are. When the other, just across the street, is a family where they need to, every single day prove themselves to the society that we're right. here, we, we are, you know, bright and in right. your face. Right. They don't have the history that the, that the, that the Bridgertons did, yeah. What would be your, I have to have this question because again, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by talented students that want 
to dream to be in Broadway, that want to dream to become a custom designers, to be part of this uh, make-believe uh, business that we are all in. Uh, what would be your final thoughts or, or advice to all the students that are watching and listening to us in this video podcast? It's not going to be what you expected or envisioned. It's going to be a surprise. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be always immediate reward, for sure. Immediate reward. I always remember, you're in school, so you are the center of attention. And once you get into the business of it, there's a lot of people that are vying for that position. So you are a star right now. And just like being an actor, there's going to be some rejection and... Uh, some great moments, but everything, every project only lasts a certain amount of time. So it could be a good project, it could be a bad project, but you'll learn from the good, you'll learn from the bad, but it's never ever what you expect it to be.